You are our God, you are our Father. You are our hope, our life. Father, you are everything to us. We worship you and we adore you. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come together. We commit everything, Father, we have planned today. Our entire program. That all that we are going to discuss today, Father, will benefit your children. That at, at the end of our discussion today, Father, families will be united. We pray, Lord, that every contribution will be meaningful contribution. Contribution that will help us. Contribution that will bring us together, not to divide us. Father, we pray that for wisdom, pray for understanding. That you use your children mightily. We commit everything again into your hands, Lord, for your direction. That your name alone be glorified and that your children be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, Sister Happiness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, and uh, welcome to part two of our mental health, mental wellness discussion. So I'll briefly recap what we did last time, but I want to um, explain to everybody what we're trying to achieve. So we're not discussing mental illness. There's a difference between mental illness and mental wellness. Mental illness is the problem that has happened, you know, it has already happened, like depression, you know, and all those things. So what we're discussing are what are those things, those little, little things that we overlook or we're not even paying attention to, or we don't even have any knowledge of that can affect our mental wellness. Once those things affect our mental wellness, ultimately the ripple effect will be, um, it will disrupt our mental um, health. And then we now, that can lead to mental illness. So the whole topic today, and of course, as we continue what we're talking about is to recognize those things, acknowledge them and deal with them so that it won't be too late. So we don't want treatment, we want preventive measures. So having said that, um, the main purpose again is for us to be able to communicate with our kids as early as the age of four, you know, before they get to adolescent, youth and young adults and correct some of those things that I quote again, we're not even aware of, but it kind of bothers them. And because they don't communicate those things with us and we don't talk about them, it kind of creates problem in 
families. So what we're going to do is we're going to allow our young adults. Why did I choose the young adults? Is that they have already expressed the need for us to please listen to them. They want to talk to us, but at the same time, they want us to acknowledge what they're telling us. And the whole thing is to have, you know, a way to communicate with each other so that we can have a united family. Since this is family month, so we want to bring them along. And again, the four-year-old, the five-year-old, the eight-year-old, and all of them, they're not going to represent themselves. So they're representing everybody. And that's why, like they did the last time, everybody is trying to talk about the things that can happen from the youth, from the um, age four, five, six. It's not that they're recapping their problems, but they're trying to tell us about all this um, age range so that if you have a four-year-old, if you have a five-year-old, you start paying attention to some of the signs, some of the things that you may not even know about. And we do know that some problems start as early as when they're in elementary school. Bullying starts around that time. Discrimination starts around that time. And most times they start shutting off. We may not know what is going on. So they're here to tell us some of those things. And when that happens, what we're trying to explain again is the panelists, they will go over all these things with us. But I, like I told the parents the last time, please, please, please understand. I am a parent. This doesn't mean that they're not going to respect us. It doesn't remove honor. It doesn't remove respect away from them. All they're telling us is they're being open. And the only way to solve a problem is when somebody speaks from their heart and they're open enough so that you can hear them. So it doesn't remove them from any responsibility. So they're responsible for, from, for their action. It doesn't exonerate them from anything. So whatever actions they take, they're responsible for it. So tonight, all we're saying, and uh, deliberate of yesterday, it was so funny. It, it, talks, it says that learning requires listening. So the only thing we're saying here, if, if we can listen, because too often, you know, we, we kind of hold on to our opinions. And then if we're not, gonna, we're not willing to listen or even consider what the other person is saying, and that's what they're trying to explain to us, to please listen, so that once we form that opinion, it kind of shuts down whatever we want to talk to them about. Thankfully, the last time I received a lot of positive um, response. And one thing I found out is most parents, most of the people that called me told me that they were able to identify with some of the things they said, but some, some of them, they didn't even know that those things were a problem. Like a mother told me that I'm one of those ones that said, I'm, a I'm the mother, you do what I said. So this is all about communication. So our, our kids are telling us to please, they want us to communicate better because once we communicate better, some of these problems you know, will be taken care of. And like I told the, uh, everybody again, everybody's family is different. Everybody's dynamic, uh, the family dynamic is different. This is not one shoe fits all. What I want us to do is please parents, guardians, when they finish talking, start, use this as to open up a communication channel. Ask your kids, 
whether what they said, can they explain uh, further? And then that will open up a, a communication channel. So hopefully we'll all be on the same page and enjoy our relationship with our spouses as well as our children. So having said that, I'm going to introduce our four panelists tonight. And um, they are Caitlin, Nkiru, Joanne, and Chika. So I'll give it up to them. Thank you, Nancy, for that beautiful introduction. Um, just to piggyback on what Nancy Happiness said, we're not just only talking about um, the younger youth and the children to look out. We're also advocating for you too, for the adults as well, because there's certain things that you might have looked over and not realizing it could affect you too and how to, you know, just deal with it. I'm pretty much gonna focus on uh, being a caretaker of someone who's uh, extremely ill and living with grief. So um, I'm pretty much, my whole topic is really about my experience. Um, most of you know, my mother was diagnosed with colorectal cancer, stage four, when um, at an early age. For me, I was 13. My sister was 17 and my brother was three. So for us, we, we watched, uh, had, we went from being just regular children to taking care of our mother from such an early age and the effects it did to us. Now, a lot of people kept saying that we were strong and, and they were thanking us. And looking back at that experience, we weren't strong. We were struggling every single day, but we had no choice but to just to handle this, whether it was hospital visits or whatever it took from us while we try to navigate through life. And I noticed in me that sometimes it was just, I, I would just have these anxious feelings and I was stressed out and it, it, it came out in the worst ways at times to the point that my school actually forced my parents to send me to therapy. And it wasn't until I went to therapy that I realized it's having someone who has an objective view of, of, uh, of your life and you could just have a sounding board can help you just kind of navigate through life just a tad bit better. And then when unfortunately I lost my parents, it was another whole set of emotions. So when you're dealing with grief, you, you're hit with too many emotions at one time, right? And that is one of the hardest things to do because one day you're angry, one day you're sad, it's hopelessness. There's so many different things that you go through and trying to navigate that is probably the hardest thing to do. So um, it, you know, people try to be there and try to stay around you is probably the easiest, it's the best way to try to help someone going through that type of mental, mental awareness, right? Because it's your community that keeps you going. It's having a purpose that keeps you going while you're going through all these emotions. Um, so that's just the intro for me. I'm gonna pass it over to Inkira. Hi everyone, um, I'm Inkiru. Also, I just wanna say I'm very excited to be part of this conversation today. It's something that I've always wanted to talk about here at the church and with you all. 
Um, today, I'm going to be focusing on bullying, self-esteem, um, self-confidence, things of that nature, things that I've struggled with growing up. And I feel like a lot of us can probably relate to, especially a lot of the younger ones. Um, and I just want to talk about how that affects how you view yourself, how you have a relationship with yourself, relationship with your peers, with your family, and also your relationship with Christ. Because when you're unable to really view yourself and love yourself, it's hard to do that with other people. It's hard to accept that, you know, you're made in Christ's image and you're wonderfully made and all these things that we say to ourselves constantly. It's hard to accept that if you don't have that self-confidence instilled in you. Um, just my, a brief overview of my own issues, you know, definitely struggled with bullying quite a bit when I was growing up. Um, and it's something that you internalize a bit and you, it affects, you know, just your day to day. So how you present yourself, maybe you, you come home and, and you don't want to speak to anybody, or even I know there's members of this church who've probably never heard me speak before because I, I go to church and I, I wasn't talking when we first joined the church, um, little things like that and how they impact you. And I feel like if I had had, um, what I deemed to be a, a good support system when I was younger and an outlet to share those issues, maybe it wouldn't have led to, you know, those later issues that were mentioned earlier, the, the illnesses that we don't really like to talk about, but all those things kind of build up um, and lead to that. So my goal here is to kind of talk to us about how we can deal with these things, how we as parents can help your children cope with these things, ways to be empathetic, and, and ways to listen to them. Um, and just ways, if you're struggling with that, ways to kind of mitigate that and, and instill that confidence in yourself and to feel better about yourself. Um, I think it's just a very important conversation and I'm, I'm hoping that it's something that all of us can relate to. And I'm gonna pass it on to Joanne. Hi everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, and today the topic I want to focus on was um, stress, stress due to either work-related or school-related and how that can lead into um, anxiety, depression, and a whole bunch of other uh, mental issues if it goes unchecked. Um, I feel like stress is one of the things, especially as, you know, most of us are immigrants um, or first generation Americans and you know even if you're not this is across the board but we tend to have this bootstrap mentality that just you know you have to do it you know no matter how hard it is or no matter the odds just get through it at all costs and um, even being here in America you know we're all chasing this American dream and you know you have to <laughs> jump through so many hoops but um I just wanted to uh, focus on the importance of taking care of yourself and rest and also stress management because, um, I mean, I could speak firsthand as someone who, you know, went through high school, college, you know, work, first year of work, continuing. I mean, I'm still, you know, early on in the, in the work years, but, you know, I personally dealt with um, a lot of stress that ended up, um, you know, turning into like a whole another problem you know I went to actually had to go to um, stress management therapy for it and it actually started because of 
like how much work was such a big you know part of my life and it was just taking over so much time and like it felt so overwhelming um it actually started affecting my health so um you know I definitely think that's something that we can talk about more and we can um try to nip in the bud um uh stress due to long hours at work or a heavy workload is actually one of the leading causes of suicide in this country and 40 percent of Americans say they deal with extremely high levels of um work-related stress and anxiety um so yeah that's uh, something I wanted to talk about today so I'll pass it over to Chica Thanks, Joanne. Um, you might, since we're in the same room, you might want to like lower your volume. So does the echo? echo. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Chica. Um, I'm also excited to be on this panel. Um, today, I'm going to be speaking about strife in the family, specifically domestic violence, um, and that, how that can impact children um, when they witness strife between parents in a relationship. Um, yeah. So domestic violence is like a big issue in the United States. I don't have stats like Joanne. I should have been more organized, but it, but it is an issue. It's often an unspoken issue. Um, it is one of the leading reasons um, for um, divorce in relationships and then also um, um, issues that can lead into like serious crimes and marriages. But I think specifically, I wanna focus more on like children um, who are, um, in the home who are witnessing that and how that can impact them mentally, especially at a young age. Um, specifically, I want to focus on like how like those signs can be identified, but then also like how as a community, instead of like, you know, um, trying to, I think, hush things at the expense of the children, but how to like actually help heal the marriage and then also make sure that the kids are fine as well so that, you know, they can grow up with healthy, healthy self-esteem. They can grow up with a strong confidence identity um, and that, you know, it won't lead into like other issues in schools. Um, domestic violence, like especially at a young age for children, it can re result in things like low self-esteem, outbursts of anger, um, avoiding spending time at home, shyness, um, fear, difficulty sleeping, um, bad behavior in school. Um, in some cases, anxiety, um, and this can manifest in like um, being moody, having poor grades, criminal behavior, self-doubt, um, also co copying that same behavior towards siblings and other individuals. Um, yeah, ultimately becoming a bully in oneself. Um, and then I think guilt and self-critical attitude towards oneself, especially if, if love is not fostered into home, like, you know, how does that person even know how to love? Um, and also it can impact like someone's relationship with God because, um, you know, parents are kind of like for children that that's like the first authority figure that they have in their lives. So now like when they relate to God, there's a whole lot of undoing of like condemnation, shame, guilt, um, fear that like Jesus basically has to heal so that they can have a proper understanding of what it's like to have a good, good father that takes care of them. Um, so that's what I'm here to talk about. 
Great. So I'm going to throw this out to all of us and you can uh, answer however you want. I think it might be best to kind of all unmute because it's a discussion. But um, how does one cope with their mental awareness when it comes to your topic? They're all answer at once. I can start us off. Um, thinking about things like bullying and, and self-esteem and self-confidence, I think one of the most important things that you can have around you is a solid support system. So people in your life who are constantly going to be able to negate all of those negative thoughts and negative things that you're hearing from other people and kind of reinforce the positive things. Um, I think it's important that your friends and your family are, are there for you and able to help you do that. But I think also just within yourself, like it's so much easier said than done to say like, oh, you know, brush it off or take it on the chin and it's okay. When you get older, it'll be fine. Um, when you're younger, it's hard to, it's hard not to internalize things that you hear. So I can speak for myself, like now that I'm older, you know, if, if somebody makes fun of my name or something like that, it's, it's what it's, you know, it's not a big deal anymore. But when I'm younger, I used to really internalize it and it, it made me genuinely dislike my name and, and you know, a, a host of other things. And being able to cope with that is very difficult. And that's why now, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I am in therapy right now. Um, and I talk to somebody, a faith-based counselor who kind of helps me work through, you know, any of those internalized negative thoughts that I have about how I look or, or how I present myself or, or my self-esteem or anything like that. And she kind of, since she's an objective party, as somebody said earlier, she keeps me grounded and, and shows me like maybe the way I'm thinking is not necessarily true or it's not necessarily logical. And, and that's how I've been able to cope with it. But I think it's really important to have a good support system around you. And, you know, it's hard when when you're struggling and you don't know what exactly you're doing or how you do yourself. It's hard to read the Bible and really take things in and say, like, OK, you know, I, if I put my confidence, God says I should put my confidence in him. And it's like, well, I don't have any confidence. So where how am I supposed to you know, what am I supposed to do? But it is important that we kind of ground ourselves in the, in the scripture and in Christ and in this idea that if I don't have any confidence and I want to be more Christ-like, I can take, he can fill those gaps for me that I'm missing. And again, it's so much easier said than done, but it's something that I, I especially put into practice. So, so that's what would help me cope. So I'm curious, where do you, how does one like build that, that community that you're talking about because I mean we have talked about it as being kids and you know I didn't find my real community to high school right so if you go home and you tell your parents they're making fun of my name they're not going to really take that and run with it you know so how do you build that community how do you deal with being Nigerian and having a difficult name I don't know that because my name is Caitlin right so I'm one of <laughs> in my class I think that's a good question. Um, I, I did have the experience of, you know, trying to go home and say, and my mom is laughing here, but trying to go home and say like, yes, there's an issue at school and it, it, there's been an issue for a while. And because I didn't really get the support I felt like I needed at that time, 
I had friends who were very solid for me, who would stand up for me if I was getting made fun of, you know, things like that. Like I, I cultivated people around me who, who would support me and we're all different. So I had a little, I had, I had backbone growing up, you know, like it was, it was hurtful and it, and it was painful and I'd go home and I'd be sad, but in the moment I would just act like there was no issue. Um, and I think that was actually detrimental to me because if people saw that things were really affecting me, I feel like more people would have kind of gathered around me and been there to protect me in a way and also like act as my support. So I don't really have a very clear answer of how to build that group of people around you. Um, but there are like, not everybody's a bully, you know, not everybody's going to torture you at school. And some, some people's parents really do listen or their siblings really do listen. And I think it's important to make sure you, you keep those people close to you so that they can help you, if that answers your question. Okay, I can help answer that as well. Um, yeah, like you said, um, having a strong community around you is very important. The worst thing you could do or one of the worst things you can do is stay isolated and isolated with your own thoughts of you know hopelessness or whatever. Um, and this goes for uh, different situations that you might be dealing with. Um, you know, even with um, stress and anxiety, I actually wanted to get into the de definition of that. Anxiety is intense, persistent worry or fear about everyday situations. So these are everyday situations. So with that being said, I uh, found what helped me is to how I built, build the community is finding other people around me who are going through the similar thing or, you know, the same situation. So like in college, you know, um, in school and everything, that was just, <laughs> pharmacy school was a tough time. So, you know, I had other classmates and, uh, you know, other people struggling too. And sometimes you really think it's just you like, oh my gosh, you know, all my friends, my friends are just, you know, just flew through this class. Why am I struggling in this class? And you just sit there and you just sit there and say like, you know, am I not good enough? What's going on? But, um, you know, you actually have to talk about it sometimes. Like say if I didn't get the grade I wanted down the exam for whatever reason, I'd be like embarrassed almost. <laughs> I didn't want to tell anybody. Nobody knew. I would just stay by myself. And like, until I really started talking then I found like, oh wait, other people um, might be in the same situation. Let's see what we can do. Um, I reached out to my professor. Oh my God, doing that actually helped me um, ace this class that I, you know, I was struggling in. So like things like that always open doors. And even with, um, even with work and stuff, um, I remember my first year, you know, after graduation work was just, it was a lot. It was, I found it really overwhelming, but I just thought like, I guess it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> like, is there something wrong with me? But, um, you know, I, I started talking to other coworkers and, and stuff like that. And, you know, some of them are going through similar situations. And I think just talking about it really helps. It doesn't even have to be with a therapist if you can't get one. Um, but not keeping all those feelings bottled inside, like that's what you don't want to do because once you bottle them and bottle them, it gets to a point where it explodes. So that's something you don't want to do. You want to like get it out, get out your feelings. And, and from there, like, what can I do to 
and make this situation better? What can I do to help myself or relieve the stress? Like, where do I go from here? Because once you start talking, you um, like subconsciously start working through all those um, things in your, like all those solutions in your brain, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But what if your stress for, because you're talking about, you know, the, the pressures of succeeding, right? So now you're in college, you're, you're, your whole class or your group, your friend group, you guys are all struggling together. And we all have, we all have that, right? Now, I know you can pick up the phone, you call your parents and you're like, listen, I just want to let you know, I'm struggling in this class. I might not pull an A, I might pull a C in this class. And then, you know, your mother or your father are barking down a bunch of things at you, telling you, I'm going to pull you out of school, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So now you're singled out, right? Because you, you talked about the stress of being in class and going to the professor and maybe going to tutoring or all of you guys are going together. Now this is your journey alone because this is you and the, your, parent, your parentals. So how do you handle that? Dang, that's a, <laughs> that's a hard question because, you know, that's, that's real. That's definitely a real situation um man I mean so you're saying like if you basically your parents might not understand and you didn't really have any other like fellow students well no so I'll give you a real life example um I was a business major in college right but Pace made us do area of knowledges so I had to study chemistry chemistry I'm business and I'm studying chemistry I'm pulling a C I like my friends who are business majors with me in chemistry are failing to I call my mom and I'm a super sophomore, right? So there is no community college for me. My mom's like, I'm going to pull you out of that school. You know how much I pay for that school? Da, 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 da. You're coming home today. So I ended up just crying. Like I just, I cried. Like I had nothing else to do because I've gone to tutoring. I'm failing with my friends. It's not even my major. So what do you do in that situation? Oh man. I mean, <laughs> I've been in a similar situation where I felt like, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know if it's the, you know, necessarily the right thing to do, but I just the same. I cried and I remember there was definitely some moments where um, I, you know, called out to God and said, you know what, whatever, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. If this is not for me, then it's not for me. <laughs> like, it, but, you know, but I was so much at peace with that because I know that like in all situations, like, you know, God got me and he's going to work everything out for the better. I mean, I'm still going to do my part, but I think there was just this like inner, like, you know, deep, I don't know if like peace, I want to say, but of knowing like, you know what, no matter what happens, God is going to work it out. And honestly, that, that definitely helped propel me through those difficult times um, in school when I felt like I was alone and I just, and it, there was no one to really turn to and you know it was just really bad but yeah I don't know if anyone else has um, any tips for that I will say I feel like we've probably all been in the the same situation um and it's unfortunate when we try to reach out to people for comfort or, or for help and their first reaction is anger but I think we also have to put into perspective like that our parents have their own fears and their own worries. And so if, I, if, I, if I'm calling you now and I, I haven't been calling you and I'm calling you now to say that I'm failing a class 
your first, the first reaction is going to be, how is this possible? You're obviously not doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Then they're thinking about money and they're thinking about your future. And it might not come off as comforting and loving in that moment in the way that you need it to be. But it is coming from what I deem to be a good place. Um, but if it's not what you need to hear at that moment and it, it is not helpful to you, I've very much learned to just, okay, I, I'm if I'm failing this class right now and you're yelling at me right now, I'm just going to continue to work as hard as I can, pull the grade that I'm going to get and move forward because negative talk or negative reaction is not going to help you. You're just going to be crying in the library at 2 a.m. I've been there. So you take it with love, you take it with a lot of grace, but you do what you have to do. I think that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I think you're definitely right. So to kind of put that story to a full circle, I gave my mom some time to calm down. Um, and I focused on what I needed to focus on. So when I ended up pulling a B in that class, my GPA didn't suffer because the, my major classes, the things that I actually cared about going to school for, were so good that my GPA, the weighted GPA didn't really affect it too much. But I think that's probably, you know, you pray about it. You do as much as you can, you know, you go to, you go to school, you go to tutoring, you study, but then at, at a point, you know, we're, we're limited as humans and we just go to God in prayer and then just leave it there because being anxious about the situation is not going to get us anywhere. Chico, you're up. Uh, to talk about how I cope specifically for the topic we've been discussing or like DV. Yeah. Your topic. So how, how does one cope? So I think that I had an especially unique case and I feel like, I don't know what it was, but I definitely feel like God shielded me from a lot of the, um, uh, effects of domestic violence. I definitely think uh, being in church um, played a huge role. I would say like that's where I got a lot of my community from. And then also like, you know, as a child of God, like your spirit is just taking in the word like every time you hear it, regardless of whether you're kind of like conscious or not. So I just remember kind of like, I don't know, I just have this like tenacity and strong spirit that God had it's a gift really and I was also involved in a lot of things in school like I played basketball I played track so I was like kind of like not always at home um I was just kind of like always getting myself involved in things and I think it really helped to like take my mind off of things of course like um I did you know there are moments where you're kind of like oh man like you kind of like just wonder like why are things the way that they are um but I think I had to, I don't know, it's still things I'm still kind of working through right now, but kind of realize that like, you know, um, parents are also humans as well. And they also have their own issues and things that, you know, they, they're not God. Like, I think I had to learn that as well, that like God is working through like all parents, like everyone has things that God is working on. And so kind of like, seeing it through the the lens of grace that like you know um things affect people and they can like sometimes like um 
pass that down onto their children unintentionally, but knowing that there's no situation that God can't heal. Um, and I think I also just had like pivotal people in my life that really helped to like instill like the confidence that I needed. Like, I don't know where it came from, but it was just there in certain moments. Um, I definitely will give a lot of credit to my mom because she really like kind of pushed me to always be succeeding, like doing things like, you know, kind of like finding ways for me to like grow and explore like and academically and professionally. And I think God's hand was just over me, like in terms of favor and just helping me. And I think now recently as I'm older and I'm kind of seeing like, oh, okay, like this is why I relate with God this way. Like God has kind of like opened my eyes. I think most recently, I think about two years ago, just kind of understanding what Jesus did on the cross. <laughs> like, I know I've been sitting in church for like a while, but I feel like it, the understanding really started to come about like what the blood of Jesus actually did and understanding that like when it says in Romans 8, 1, there's no longer any condemnation, like, like Chica, you don't have to be feeling ashamed about things. You don't have to be feeling guilty. You don't have to come to God in fear. Like, and those are things like, you know, um, I constantly have to remind myself, like, you know, renewing my mind. But I think like, that's how I've been coping. Like, I wouldn't say coping, I, I call it healing, like restoration, because that's ultimately what, what God is doing. Um, so I just think I've kind of been shielded throughout the entire process because I didn't really suffer a lot of the side effects that like normally a lot of children go through. Do you, do you have like any tips or like comments for anybody that may be going through that? But yeah, I do. I would say number one, I feel like one of the things that I've learned is like, it's okay to like share with like a close friend or confidant. I think a lot of times, especially in Nigerian communities, like people say, oh, like don't talk about what's happening or whatever, like keep everything to yourself. But I don't think that's a sustainable solution because eventually it is gonna manifest itself one way or another. And I've had like those outbursts of anger. Like I remember in college, like one day when I just blew up in front of my roommate and literally I was like, where did this come from? Like, <laughs> like literally I like, I was just not known to do that. Where did this anger come from? And kind of like understanding like, oh my gosh, just it's probably something I picked up from home that I didn't even realize I picked up. And um, so I think it's like good to like, just have a good friend to talk to who's not gonna like judge you or, you know, like, <laughs> unfortunately, I just feel like in Nigerian community, like, <laughs> unfortunately, I feel like we do need to grow in love towards one another and empathy. Like, you know, like when things happen, knowing that there is a things, people are complicated, you know, humans are very complicated, like there isn't, sometimes you can't like point at one thing and be like, oh, well, it's because you said this, why, that's why this person reacted in this way, like it's, it's a lot more complicated than that, so I think finding like, like a, like it could be like one friend who is just empathetic, and then of course, one thing I learned is like not to be you don't have that friend to kind of like be trash talking like the family member or whatever is happening in the home, but ultimately just to confide in someone and like kind of find a source of like respite or like 
just peace away from turmoil. I think that's very important. And I also think like having examples of what family could look like. Like I remember when I was in college and one of my roommates, I noticed that she always called her family. And I was just like, wow, like I don't do that. (laughs) And she would always talk to her dad. And I was just like, yeah, I don't do that. (laughs) And it kind of like made me think like, why don't you talk to your parents? Like, why don't you call them? Like you, you don't see them. And, and she wasn't even like a Christian (laughs) and, you know, but then also like having some of my Christian friends and seeing like, you know, their families and how they relate with each other. And I was like, wow. So like, this is, this is how God made it. Like, it's good to have that exposure because then you're kind of like, okay, this is like, the biblical picture and it is possible it is real it's not some like far-fetched thing and um yeah I don't want to ramble but I think that's like the advice that I would give like find somebody that you can confide in find like good role models if you don't have it in your home like to see what family looks like and also like um if you have like kind of like maybe the authority, like you can also be someone that brings change in your home. Like you can bring the word of God. You can like be that example. You can like foster that love and then like other people will follow. I think especially the siblings. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna talk about <clears throat> how, how does one cope with uh, dealing, being a caretaker. So being a caretaker is probably like one of the hardest things to go through because you have the person who's dealing with the illness and their frustrations and their limitations. And then you have the person who's taking care of them, who has their own life to live, their own stress, their own issues that they're going through, but they have to kind of put it aside because it's not as bad as the person who's actually being poked and prodded and surgery after surgery. So I know for me, a lot of the times, even when my mom was the sickest, we butt heads, right? Because I'm going through my own situation and I'm frustrated. She's frustrated. We're both frustrated, but we're frustrated about two different things and we just can't see eye to eye. Um, so it's very important to talk, right? And I, and I, I felt that was the most important thing for me. And um, in high school, I one of my teachers who became my mentor she uh she she's um she has like that background because she's palestinian that you know that kind of like we have so she was always on me about i don't care what your mom did i don't care what she said you have to go apologize you have to listen to her you have to do that so she was the person that would listen to me go through everything but also try to guide me in the correct way then i also had a mentor in in the church who would just kind of constantly reinforce that love that Jesus taught us how to love and in all things love. So, you know, I had those two, two people in my life who are constantly, whether it was giving me curating a worship playlist for me or just giving me Bible verses, just to remind me that like love in all things Cause like we're all going through different work, different outlets and how, how to deal with it. And when you're frustrated the most, you have to learn how to take a step back and, and love, but you can't. And I think it's also good to have open communication with the person who is ill because they could tell you what struggles they have. And then you could tell them what struggles you have. 
And when you have that open communication, they both, you both can have that sense of compassion for each other, right? And then in the sense of living with grief, sometimes talking is not it. Sometimes you just need to be around somebody, right? Like I found myself not wanting to talk to people, but wanting to be in the presence of somebody else. So I think you have to kind of like really dig deep and figure out what you need as a person to kind of deal with it, you know? And then you also have to remember it as Christians that death is not the end all be all, right? Uh, Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was a Bible verse that was constantly like thrown at me in um, the final days of my mom because she was just kind of like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to come home. Just you have to get past this. And then it came to me that I realized that she wants to go home and be with God and be with Jesus. And for her, that was, that was her, what she was ready for. So you have, it's constantly reminding yourself like, yes, this person meant a lot for you here, but they were limited here and their journey is over. And it's time for them to cross over to the next stage of life for them. So I think constantly reminding yourself and staying prayerful and staying around people who can remind you that when you forget that part helps, you know, um, there's, and that's just my experience. Cause I, you know, I have siblings and I have friends who've lost people and I know people who've lost people and their experience is totally different. But I know for me, like one is either, talking it out with somebody and the other is just being around people who just understand and know how to how to show you the love and the compassion you need to go through these stressful situations um i know auntie happy you want to you want to touch on some of the stuff that we talked about yeah praise the lord Hallelujah. I know we still have time and I'm sure everybody is being blessed. So this, the importance of what we're discussing tonight is to please, as you listen to them, start thinking about your own family, parents, guardians, and ask yourself, are there things I could have missed while they're growing up? Are there things I can catch with the younger ones? You know, the reason why I wanted to um, really comment on a few things they said is that um, Fonkiru, um, she's my second daughter, and my husband and I, <clears throat> she had to speak to us because, you know, you keep telling yourself, I'm being a mother, I'm being a father, we're just parenting. Until one day she asked us whether she can talk to us. And it takes us to humble ourselves, especially parents, please. It takes us to really humble ourselves, to listen to what they're saying. And believe it or not, we allowed her to speak for two, three hours. And only God knows, by the time we were trying to defend ourselves. But one thing my daughter said at the end of it was that, do you understand I know that you're my parents? And you understand that I know that you love me. 
and I understand that you're doing everything for me. But there's something you have not understood is that you haven't even recognized what I'm telling you. You're only giving me the reason why you are my parents. Nobody's going to take that away from you. So when she finished, you know, we didn't say anything. So we kind of, all of a sudden, found ourselves in a position where we say to ourselves, wait a minute, it's true. They've been talking to us. She's been talking to us. And we're telling them our reasons why we're parents and things have to be the way they're supposed to be. But we never paid attention. And then my baby told me, she's like, you know, it's not about providing for us. It's about listening. Huh. It was almost like, so my husband unfortunately broke down because we found out that, oh, you're doing all these things and they're trying to talk to you and we're not even listening to them. So that's why I'm, I'm the culprit. I'm always the one that put my hands up and say, yeah, I did it. And that's why I'm trying to please appeal to parents. Listen, when we start complaining about them is when things had already gone bad. And that's when they have started shutting down. When they don't want to talk to us, when our company is no longer, you know, important. And when you're hearing, yes, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? And like I said on Sunday, if your child, if you're, that used to talk to you, all of a sudden is not talking, please know there's something wrong. Address the problem. So what we're talking about here is to please, let's open up this communication channel. See, they're getting help from outside. Wouldn't it be good for them to get help from us? After that, our children. So let's have an open mind, open heart. Let them tell us the things that are good, bad, ugly, not even good. Even when they're messing up so that we can guide them. Because really, we should be able to guide them better in the Lord. As opposed to some of them, because I've had conversation with most of them. They're like, I go to church. My parents, they give back to me in church. They take me to church. I'm a born again. I speak in tongues. But they don't want us to be using Bible passages, you know, to kind of shut them down. They want us to address the problems they're bringing to us, especially when they are indirectly asking for help. So we can see that sometimes most of these kids are um, young adults, even at eight, nine-year-old, they're asking for help. That's why they're throwing tantrums. They're kind of, the school is calling us, you know, that asking for help. So it is time for us to please drop whatever you're doing and listen to them. We are supposed to be in a better position to save our children. I don't have a problem from, I mean, we're almost all therapists anyway. If somebody, if you have an open mind and somebody comes to talk to you and you can direct the person, that's a good thing. So I like the fact that, thank God they're, they're getting help and they're talking to people that can redirect them. Now, imagine if we haven't instilled that thing in them and they're talking to the wrong person. A wrong person can actually lead them astray. And we know what that means. 
So I think it's so very important then we listen and at least start this conversation. Now, for instance, Nkiru, her name is Nkiruka. And in Nigeria or in Africa, Nkiruka is a good name, right? The future is the best. So it's a godly name. And that's my name. So when I grew up in Nigeria, I didn't have a problem because it's a common name. After all, happiness is not a common name here, but it's a common name in, in um, um, Nigeria. So yes, she came back and she tried to talk to us about how she was being bullied at, um, in her school because of her name. First of all, her classmates cannot pronounce in Kiroka. Her teachers cannot. Nobody can pronounce it. So, you know, they started bullying her. They call her all kinds of names, Nikiruka, Niku, whatever. So, you know, and we didn't know that that thing was affecting her. And me, of course, of all people that always would read the whole thing, when she got home, I tried to explain to her. I said, oh, don't worry. That's my name, too. Oh, it's a godly name. This is the meaning. Just tell them the meaning of the name. You see, I didn't address the bullying. All, all I did was to explain to her what Nkiruka means in English. And I said to her, oh, don't worry. Use it for your benefit. After all, people call happiness and, you know. And then she turned around and said, I'm not you. Yeah, Auntie, honestly. So, you see, so, and she shut down and she never spoke to us again about it. And I'm just sharing it now, how that, you know, had an effect on her. But as a mother, instead of me saying that that's my name, or oh, it's godly name, it's um, your future is, you know, uh, good. And I didn't give her all those preaching and all those things. Maybe I would have helped her. Maybe she won't be talking about it now. So that's why it's so very important. And even the uh, school thing, yes, it made her to choose or to go to a school that she probably, I don't know whether she wanted to, because she got into UPenn, her sister was at Duke, and of course it's like, oh, if you add the two tuition, it's 150,000. My, she just, even when my niece talked to her, my niece said, oh, auntie, don't worry, she's going to go to UPenn. Just an hour before she gave her acceptance letter, she told us she was going to pay, but we asked her, she said, I know you guys are going to be talking about two um, tuitions, so I'd rather not. So you see, but we didn't take time. So what I'm saying is every family have their own dynamics. Please look into your own family. Now, when we talk about domestic violence, the reason why I wanted these kids to speak is for us to please hear and listen. These things are happening in homes. Some things are happening, whether it's what we say to each other, whether how we neglect or ignore each other, they are learning. And unfortunately, they may think that this is the norm and we're actually shaping them for disaster because we're supposed to be the one to talk to them about marriage, about life and everything. And now we're showing them a, a different example. So they're not going, they're going to learn whatever we're telling them. And that's why most times they're going to tell us, you're not going to tell me what to do because you're not showing me good example. I don't know what your family dynamic is. Please listen to what they're saying. Now with what John said, you know, it is true. 
I was told, and the person that told me this is actually um, logged in, about two parents that insisted that their son must go to medical school. And the child tried to explain to them what his heart desire is, and they refused. He went to medical school. Medical school in America is eight years. And his final year, he went and got admission into what he actually wanted to study. After his graduation, the same day of his graduation, he took this medical certificate and gave his parents and said, mommy and dad, here is your certificate. I hope you're happy. I've hope I've made you proud, but I want to go and study what my heart desire is. So again, from what jo Joanne said, I spoke to a Tennessee Road Nigerian girl who is um, a, a, a financial advisor in a big bank and she's doing very well. So at the end of the day, her problem was that she had so much stress at work and she went to her mom, she came back from work, went to her mom to tell her mom that mom, I need to discuss something with you because she said she wanted to share that what was going on at work with her mom. And when she told her mom that mom, I really don't feel good. What the mom said to her, I quote, is God forbid, I cover you with the blood of Jesus. You're a child of God. Nothing is wrong with you. You're a good child. I started quoting the scripture. The girl said she broke down and started crying and went inside her room. For one week, she didn't say anything. And when the mom asked her what was going on, she said she was okay. And she talked to me. She said, auntie, all I wanted is to tell my mom what was going on. All I wanted is probably for her to give me a hug or say to me, so what's the problem? So that she can explain. So ultimately, what I'm trying to say here is to, for us to please open this avenue. Let's start talking to them, no matter how old or how young they are. When they come back from school, find out from them what happened in school. If there's anything that they're upset about or they're shy about, please let's talk to them. And let's also reassure our kids that our home, they, their house, is a place of safety, is a place of restoration. It doesn't matter whether they miss it or they get it, so that they don't run away from us or think that they, will, they should always get help from outside. So at the end of the day, it's good that we're having this conversation, hopefully by God's grace, on the last um, Thursday, um, we're going to be able to have question and answer session. And if you can, please talk to your children. Ask them what is going on. Ask them whatever they had. Is it something that they can now use to start talking? So in that way, we can stop helping and uh, start helping each other. And of course, help ourselves as parents. We didn't come thousands of miles away from wherever we came from, to do two, three, four jobs here, not to enjoy our kids. So please, let's start and have this come. It's not late, but I think we can do it by God's grace. So, Kelly, you guys can continue. I, I, I think uh, you kind of just narrow, uh, pushed us right into the next question, which was how can other people help someone going through this process? Uh, Caitlin, I'd actually like you to answer that one first, because I was going to ask you before when you were talking about grief, 
um, and the idea that sometimes you don't want to talk, you just want to be around people. What should the people around you, like how should they, what should they do to make you feel like they're there for you? So it's it's a balance, right? About space and time. And um, I think what my best friends did, which was I, perfect, was they would just ask me like, did you eat today? What did you, did you shower? Did you get up? You know, just questions to get me going. And then depending on my answer, they'll ask me like, how do I feel? They made it comfortable for me when I needed to cry or go through whatever I need to go through that I did call them. Some people just, you know, dropped off food. Um, you know, it, it's nice to have people come. And I think where I say space is, I know like after my parents died, people flooded the house. When my mom died, my siblings and I got up and left. We left the state because we knew how many people were going to come to the house and we didn't want that. So we were away and it gave us some times to like shock and off, trying to go through that. I mean, our phones were still going off, but it, it was that perfect space that we needed. Now, when our father died, we didn't get that. I mean, people were just coming um, into the house one after another. And it, it, sometimes it could be overwhelming because when you come so quickly to a situation like that, and especially people who were close to them, they were coming with their emotions. So I found myself consoling them when I needed to be the one consoled, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a balancing act. So sometimes you just need to give the person space. And if you do come, you don't come with all your emotions, right? You come and you try to get them to think about other things. Now there's going to be moments where you start laughing and you're like, I shouldn't be happy. I'm sad, you know? But I think that's the best approach. I also, sorry, I have a follow-up question um, <laughs> for you, Caitlin. There's, I've heard people talk about, when they talk about grief, this idea that there's so many people who are around in the beginning, and then they, a lot of people just kind of disappear. Is that something that you've experienced? Is there a way you feel like people should so try to keep up or, or should try to stay consistent? I mean, it's hard, right? Because everyone goes on with their life. But the person who's dealing with it never really goes on. So I've been on both sides. When my aunt died, I remember calling my cousin and my uncle every day. And then one day I stopped calling every day. You know, I still keep in touch with them. On, on her birthday, I call any important days, I'm, I'm there, I'm around the family. But, you know, at a point, you've got to give the person a chance to move on, right? But also, you just know, like, the masses will always come because something happened, and they flood you, and they check in on you, which is good. It helps you move forward. But then you know who's truly there when they're there for the birthdays, they're there for the death anniversary, they're there for important days of my life where my parents will be there, you know? And it's, it's just, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard balance because you understand that everyone has their life, but then you also appreciate the people who are always there, who didn't take that moment to, to forget about that, you know? I, like I can speak for Auntie Happy. Auntie Happy calls me once a week. Regardless, sometimes I don't want to pick up Auntie Happy's phone call, but I call her back. 
because I know she's doing what my mom would have done. She's calling me and checking in on me and making sure I'm okay. You know, so it's, it's a balancing act. And I think the best thing to do is talk to the person who you're trying to support and see what they need. I think to answer um, the question, like, sorry, what was the question again? Just to refresh. How do you, how does other people help the person going through it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for kids um, and also for like young adults and professionals, I think it's important to um, just kind of be mindful of like the children and look after them and like see how they're doing, uh, especially like mentally um, making sure that they like feel safe in the home, um, that they're taken care of. And I think if like someone is exhibiting signs, like, like if, if a child is exhibiting like, uh, signs, like any, it could be like withdrawal, whatever it could be like, instead of, you know, like labeling that child of like, oh, they're just disrespectful or that's just how they are. Like, you know, there might be a, something deeper that is causing, that sort of emotions to manifest. It doesn't have to be like what's going on in the home. It could be bullying, whatever it is. But like, I think like knowing that children are like humans and they have, they perceive things and they interpret things and that they too like need support systems. Um, so that's what I would say is like really important. Um, and I think also if, if, if like an adult does recognize if they are aware that, you know, their friend has something going on in the home that could be harmful to the kids, like making sure that the two adults get help because ultimately that's just going to be the solution um, because they are the adults in that situation and whatever like type of home that they are building that will impact the children. So like, you know, like sometimes people do need to get help. Like it could be counseling, it could be therapy, um, whatever sort of involvement is necessary to make sure that um, things are safe. And then also that like the, the marriage is moving in a healthier direction. So not only are the, the not only is the couple benefiting, but then also um, the children as well. I just wanna comment on something that you said, Chica, about um, the tendency to say like, oh, this child is just rude or this child is just disrespectful. Something I've been thinking about recently is that I that I would like to talk to parents about is the difference between commenting on your child's actions and commenting making comments about their character because we know how powerful the tongue is we know when we say things and and we manifest those things and if, if your child is acting a certain way or acting out acting withdrawn to say that that child is inherently, you know, bad or just rude, or that's just how they are, they're going to internalize those things. And you say it enough times, it becomes real. You know, the problem child, you say that enough times, that child is, is going to be the problem child. And you're, you're not commenting on the things that they're doing that are wrong, you're commenting on their character. And you're, you're putting that character on them. Um, and I think that's just something that I, I hope and I pray that a lot of us, not just parents, but all of us in general, are cognizant of when we're speaking to people, when they're telling us their problems or when we're witnessing them going through things, is to make sure that we are not bringing them down with our words. Um, even if we feel like, if, even if it's out of tough love or, or strictness or, or parenting or whatever, 
it's just important not to put negative characteristics into your child instead of correcting an action versus correcting who they are. Um, and just to kind of jump into answering the question, um, like my mom said about listening and act actively listening and not just you know hearing to give a response, I think it's a really important way to be supportive of like your child or anybody around you who's going through self-esteem issues or bullying issues or, or anything like that. Um, making sure like you're, you're hearing what they're saying, you're taking time to truly be empathetic and then maybe you're providing a solution if that's what they want or if you're just providing comfort if that's what they need. But it can't be comparisons. It can't, and it's something that I've seen um, and not just you know in this in our community in Nigerian community, but just in general, the need to put people's problems into perspective, but in the same way you diminish it. So if I say you know somebody's bullying me because of my name or because I'm I'm you know I was chubby as a kid, I'm chubbier than everybody else, to say that oh you know so and so had the same thing and they're fine, or to say well you know. When I was in school, when I was in boarding school, you know, we all kind of went through, I've heard the stories about Nigerian boarding schools, and I know <laughs> they go through certain things, and it's part of the culture, um, and to say, like, well, I went through this, why do you feel this way here? All you're doing is making sure that I don't, I don't tell you again what I'm going through, because you're going to dismiss, it's dismissive, and I know it's coming from a place of love, of, like, listen, like, you're not, you know, this problem is not that big of a problem. Like, it's not like you don't have food. It's not like you don't have, but to diminish that problem, the problem is still there. And now I just have one less person that I can speak to about it. Um, and I think that's just something really important for, you know, making sure that we're being supportive of the people around us. Um, I just wanted, oh, just wanted to add. Oh, I, yeah, oh, I just wanted to. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to add on that, like, a supportive bit. Yeah. Like, it's 2021. Support your kids' dreams. Support your friends' dreams. Do not project your limitations on other people. You do not have to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer to succeed. Like, catch up. <laughs> like, that, that really, um, yeah, that really makes me sad seeing that because there's no point in, you know, you have your kid child and your friend. Uh, like Hapni says, the person who just got the doctor and they're miserable, like, why do you want your, your child to be miserable? Um, um, like first, oh, first Timothy 2.17, I believe where it says, that, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Um, peace and a sound mind, that's more important than anything. There's no amount of money that can buy that. Like that's worth more than what any success or whatever, you know, you, um, you think and um also like our identity too like remember our identity is in christ like i feel like a lot of us we're always especially as young people we're always focused on getting to the next thing the next step the next job house car relationship and that's not like we're inherently we have value and we have um importance and love because we are god's children it's not based in our what we can produce or how successful we are and other things like that like we are already inherently God's children and we have value simply just because we exist and he loves us um yeah 
And yeah, I feel like what I like about this generation kind of is because, you know, we're kind of not okay with being miserable, really. Like we, I know a lot of people joke about like how millennials are always like moving around and traveling or like moving from state to state and changing jobs. It's like, we're really trying to find our place there. We're not just being okay just because the last generation said, oh, this is how we do things and we're miserable. So now you have to suffer too. You know, we're kind of saying like, no, that's not, maybe that's what you did, but you know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no two people are the same. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to add that part about identity and just being supportive. Okay. I was I add to encourage NC Happy's when you're talking about the name issue to plead to the parents, when you guys tell us the meaning of our names, that is really just giving more ammo to these kids. Kids are vicious, man. I was a vicious child. You know, like, you know, you, if I tell a child, another child what my name is, that's just giving them more ammo to come at me. Like, I don't know how many times someone told me to go get my spirit and growing up, it was just that I lucked out that my first name is not a typical Nigerian name. So I got away with a lot of the nonsense. But they made fun of my last name, though. My, my <laughs> last name, you know? Like, I don't know how hard my last name is when you could say a Polish last name real easy and they got X's and Z's and whatnot. But, you know, uh, I, I just want to implore to the parents about that because it is our names are beautiful. And I guess now it's cool to be Nigerian, right? But back then, it was not cool to be Nigerian. So please do not give them the answer of, oh, well, your name means this, so you should be happy about that because it's not getting them anywhere. <laughs> I do want to say, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I do want to say that, you know, even though I struggled with those things when I was younger, if anybody younger is, is watching this, it, it, I promise, like, you will, it's going to be okay. Like, if you get my name wrong today, I just won't answer you because <laughs> that's not my name. And that's just what it is. Like eventually you build up, you know, the confidence and, and the, the talent and you're just like, I'm not going to take it anymore or, or it just doesn't bother you anymore. I mean, now you that I don't accept any nicknames. I don't accept, you say my name, you say it correctly and we move forward. And I just wanted to, to point that out. Like our names are very, very beautiful and it sucks that people don't see that when we're younger, but when you get older, you definitely start to see it. Um, and I just wanted to make one more point about what Caitlin said about kids being vicious. And when you're younger and, and you hear people say mean things to you, the first thing you want to do is kind of find some comfort. And we usually want that first place of comfort to be our parents. And I'm going to say this very delicately, but sometimes the, the, the first mean things that you hear are at home. And I'm, and I want to say that I don't, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not, you know, saying that to say that, you know, parents are, are wicked or are mean, but for example, I struggled with weight a lot as a child and even now as an adult. Um, and, you know, if, if a kid calls me fat or something in, or chubby in school, that's one thing. But when you go home and you have people around you who comment who make those, you know, those remarks about, and I know a lot of us can relate to this, even as adults in our community, comments about eating, comments about food, about getting fat. You see one aunt you haven't seen in six years and they, and they make a comment about your weight. Sometimes the mean things that we hear start in our home. And how am I supposed to build some sort of 
resistance to that when I go into the outside world, if I'm also hearing it at home. And that's just something to think about, not just as parents, but just in general, the things that we say to each other, where we're supposed to be places of comfort. Are we saying things that are inherently tearing people down in a way that we're not even aware of? I think that's, I just wanted to put that out there. That's also, um, actually, that's perfect that you said that in Kiru, because the last thing that I wanted to add was that I think it's just so important for kids to grow in a home where they feel they are loved. Like when they know that their parents love them, like they see like, and, and love is not just like, oh, I put money on the table for you. I, I buy you these things. No, it's like, it's in demonstration the way Christ demonstrated it to us, like actually genuinely like caring for those children and then also telling them that God loves them. Like when they go out into the world, like they're going to be invincible. Like people can, they're eventually going to get to that point where like in Kira was saying, people can say whatever, make fun of their name or your skin color or how you look or whatever, but they're going to just have, they already have such a strong identity already that um, it'll, it won't affect them as much. Like they'll be able to overcome it and be, cause they have, they already have that defense already built within them. So we're, uh, we're, All right, guys. At, we're at the end, and um, I just want to take this time to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to speak. We only scratch the surface. There is so much to it, and, you know, we kind of talked about our experiences versus, I mean, everyone's experience is different, but it's just a little bit, a little piece of the pie, so you can understand what's, what's going on with us as uh, youth, what we went through growing up, so I just wanted to thank you. And we appreciate you guys giving us time to let us speak. So thank you so much. We're done. I just want to summarize with what our kids, they said we should, I should say to everybody. They're telling us here to please allow them to express themselves without being judged. I mean, if somebody has made mistake and is already down, we should please not beat them down. We should pay attention to some of the things that is happening around them. Allow them to tell us exactly what it is and make sure so that they can find comfort and peace. At least find somebody to talk to, you know. Um, sympathize with them. Find out why they're making such some decisions so that we can talk, I mean, we can talk over it with them. You know, if they want us to just listen, we can listen. But if they want us to give them advice or contribute to whatever they're telling us, we can do the same. We should empower them and reassure them that we're in it together so that they don't have to go outside to get help. And we should have an open heart to allow them to talk to us about everything. However, it's not good when somebody has a problem you blame the person and tell the person it's their fault. If they haven't done it this way or they've done it this way, they've already made the mistake. So let's find solution. And most times that they're being told that they don't have faith or we give them Bible passages to go and read instead of discussing the problem with them. And it's okay to let them um, know that they don't have to be perfect to be our children because if we're telling them that it has to be this way or that way, somebody will stop 
struggling to be perfect and it's really difficult to be perfect. So we should let them know that it's okay to make mistakes. And when you fail, it's not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of it. So that somebody can help them, encourage them to pick up. So hopefully at the end of this, this um, discussion, all of us will have the time to talk to our kids. And like I told them, every family is different. So don't compare yourself with another child in another family. Everybody is different. You don't know what is deep down, what is going on there. So thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to discuss. Well, we didn't discuss mental illness, so which is a very touchy topic. We discussed the things that can improve our mental health, which is wellness. So thank you so much. We're done and um, it's time for, um, what is it again? Announcement. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for tonight's Family Month virtual meeting. Please join us again next week by visiting our church website at live.ftlw.org. You can also join us via YouTube by searching Fountain of the Living Word Church. You can also join us via Zoom. The Zoom meeting ID is 996-3593-3479. The passcode is 941-748. Family Month occurs every Thursday in July, and topics include mental health and wellness, forgiveness and apology, healthy living, questions, answers, and open mic. On Sundays, service starts at 10.30 a.m. Due to the new procedures that have been implemented upon entering the church, those attending in person should arrive at 10 a.m. There will be a council meeting tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. This Saturday at 3 p.m., the Evangelism Ministry will hold their monthly meeting via Zoom conference call. Please note that there are three ways to give your tithes, offerings, and ministry donations. You can give by mail. Our address is 30 Morton Place in East Orange, New Jersey, 07017. You can also give online by visiting portal.ftlw.org. Lastly, you can give in person. The church office will be open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. If you gave your life to our Lord Jesus Christ during this live broadcast or any of our live broadcasts, we are rejoicing with you because the Bible says that the angel of the Lord rejoices when one sinner repents. Please call us at 973-675-6558 and we'll be glad to help. Also, if you need information about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or need prayers, please call us at 973-675-6558 and we will love to hear from you. Finally, if you were blessed by this teaching, please hit the like button below, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thank you and remain blessed.
The announcements are done. Closing prayer by Pastor Dorothy. All right. Praise the Lord. So let us pray. Our Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so very much for the wonderful evening. Thank you, merciful Father, for your grace that we witnessed upon the lives of your children, helping them to be open to share the things that a lot of people at their age are not able to open up to share. Thank you, Father, for we know that even by so doing, it's bringing a lot of healing, a lot of bonding in our relationship with our children. Our Father, we are so thankful and we are very grateful for a forum like this where we open up. We thank you, merciful Father, for the things that we had. And we thank you for those that you have used to guide us in this light. Merciful Father, we trust you that these things will not just be heard and be forgotten, but I will take time to process these things and will take time to see the areas in our relationship with our children where we need to adjust. We pray particularly for those of them that still have younger children that are coming so that they will start from the onset to be of tremendous help to these children, to be able to create a forum whereby their children are able to open up, to feel free to bear their minds. Merciful Father, we are asking for those of us that have already grown up once. We trust in your faithfulness and in your mercies to help us. For we know that with you all things are possible. The areas where they need healing, our younger ones need healings, and they have not been able to open up to us. Father, we trust you that Absolutely. it will be a way, that it will help us to have that kind of forum. And help us, Father God, even as you've been reminding us in our family forums that fa families should hold meetings from time to time. Help us, Father God, not to hear these things and just shove them away, but we should really take time to have family meetings where we complement each other, where we encourage each other, and where we listen to each other intently to hear their hearts and not by way of going to criticize, but by way of bringing a solution, a godly solution, a godly counsel and encouragement. Father, we thank you, we give you the praise. We thank you, merciful Father, because we know that from this, our families and our relationships with our children will get better and better and be what you want it to be to your praise and glory and to our joy and fulfillment. Thank you for the organizers, the Family Forum Committee, their uh, ministerial overseers. 
thank you for your wisdom and your grace that abounds upon their lives. Thank you for using them to be a blessing to our families and to this, our church family. Father, we know that for the rest of this family month, that by the time we get through it, there will, it will be a radical transformation in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. Merciful Father, we thank you for the offerings. We give you praise because you first gave us. You are a good giver. You said when we give, you will cause men to give unto our bosom, good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. And you're faithful to your promises. We thank you for that will be our experiential portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God of glory, tonight you give your beloved sleep. We shall sleep tonight and our sleep shall be sweet and we shall wake up so refreshed in readiness for tomorrow. We cover ourselves by the blood of Jesus and we say it is well with us and it is well with all ours. For Jesus has made it all good for us. Thank you again for you will continue to teach our children and grace shall be their pit. We can follow them around wherever they are, but you are omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscience God. You are able to follow them up and you are able to establish them to make them whom you have designed for their lives to be. Father God of glory, we belong to the camp of the righteous and we thank you because we shall continue to hear good news concerning our children and we shall continue to hear good news concerning each other. Because we are your darlings, the apples of your hearts, we know you will continue to watch over us, bonding us in unity, in love, in one accord, in singleness of mind. That we as parents will continue to live a modeled Christian family life for, before our children that will help them to grow up to be godly mothers and godly fathers when their time comes. We give you the praise, Father God. Thank you again for Sunday service. Thank you for it's going to be a time of refreshing in your presence. Thank you for Pastor Chooks that you're going to use to impact us. Father, we are grateful because we know you've been loading him with a lot of refreshing goodies from you for us on Sunday. And with boldness, he would declare your whole counsel and our lives will never be the same again. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and understanding on our part. Thank you for the council meeting tomorrow. As your children gather, your spirit will guide them all through. And Jesus shall be glorified and our joy shall be full. We give you the praise, Father God. We thank you for every vessel you've used to make this possible. All the PROs the camera people, every one of them. Father, we thank you for we know your grace abounds and you're a faithful rewarder. We worship and magnify your name. Blessed be thy name, merciful Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Daddy, for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Are we going to share the grace or is there anything else? Thank you, uh, Dr. Happy, and thank you, beautiful ladies. You've done so marvelously well. We are so very thankful for you. Do we have to share the grace, or is there anything else we have to say? We just want to 
thank the panelists and like you said and thank uh, dr happiness that was a wonderful section and go ahead and share the grace now all right can we all share the grace in fellowship may the grace, the grace of our lord jesus christ the love, the love of, god. of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit Amen. Amen. Surely, goodness God. and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall live in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.